Today's scripture reading is found in Ruth chapter 2, verses 8 through 13. Now be reading from the ESV. Hear the word of the Lord. Then Boaz said to Ruth, Now listen, my daughter. Do not go to glean in another field or leave this one, but keep close to my young women. Let your eyes be on the field that they are reaping and go after them. Have I not charged the young men not to touch you? And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink what the young men have drawn. Then she fell on her face, bowing to the ground, and said to him, Why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me, since I am a foreigner? But Boaz said to her, All that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me, and how you left your father and your mother and your native land and came to a people that you did not know before. The Lord repay you for what you have done, and a full reward be given you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Then she said, I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, for you have comforted me and spoken kindly to your servant, though I am not one of your servants. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning, Trinity Church. That was a wonderful set, worship set. Thank you so much, Allison, the band. Um, there is truly no place that I'd rather be than in church this morning with his saints and with the people that God has graciously saved right here with you guys, the body of Christ. And to be honest with you, this was a difficult week, wasn't it? Um, I, you know, I had an introduction planned that's very different than this, this morning. And I was intentionally going to ignore some of our world events. And, you know, I, I, we are inundated with just so much stuff. We're just flooded with so much stuff. And I think sometimes we need a refuge from the ugliness of this world. And maybe when we come to church, we just want to escape these messages of the world and the COVID and politics and all that. But the truth is that never before in human history have the voices in our world been so loud. Radio, internet, TV, the stuff that we receive in the mail. There's just so many things that are fighting for our attention in our allegiance. And I think it was this week that I realized how difficult all this has been on us as people. It's been difficult, right? Um, my heart was really heavy last night when I was talking, I, I was talking with my daughter. My heart was heavy for this message. Um, and I was just talking with her. And um, just before the second service, I found a note in my pocket from my daughter. And it says, sometimes you are scared, but God is with you. Love, Avery. And really, isn't that the message? That sometimes we're scared, but God is, is with us? Now, I have, I guess, a lot of things hit for me this week. I have a lot of friends in Texas, my family in Texas, um, 
that are battling COVID. And some of our friends have been put on ventilators. My friend Gary Barber, his funeral was this week. And I know that he was a friend to many of you. He's a friend of Trinity Church. And so many of us have been praying for Don and Francis. And the list goes on and on, including what we have seen with our eyes and the images that have happened at our capital. There's just a heaviness, right? While studying the story of Ruth, I just found my mind just being distracted from all of it. And maybe your mind is distracted as well this morning. Maybe you, t- you too have had a hard time with all of this that's going on. Can I remind you and can I remind, I need this reminder myself, that we are here to worship a good God. A God that is in heaven and He is calm. He is sitting on His throne and He's not wringing His hands. He's not stressed. He's not pacing back and forth one bit. He's not distressed one bit of all of this that's going on. Can I trust you or can I encourage you today to put your trust in this Lord? While this world has been shaken, I want you to remember what the author of Hebrews said in Hebrews 12, 28 and 29. He says, therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. And church, this morning, will you remember that if you have placed your faith in Jesus Christ, your citizenship is inside of the only kingdom that will last. And it's the only kingdom that will never, ever, ever be shaken. And Christian, amen. Christian, if your world has been shaken recently, rejoice with me this morning that our kingdom, the kingdom of God, will never, ever be shaken. Let us continue to worship him with reverence and awe because our God truly is a consuming fire. And Trinity, may we be a people that rest in him today and for the rest of our lives. May we be a people that share the message that there is rest. Genuine, true, real, everlasting rest inside of our Savior. And if the book of Ruth teaches us anything about this God, it teaches us that He can be trusted in the tough times. Naomi and Ruth both had their world's rocked as well and we see in chapter one we see them left with no food no land no husbands and they had lost it all and now they're on this journey to Bethlehem Naomi's home country and chapter one ends telling us that they entered into Bethlehem at the beginning of the barley harvest This puts them going in there around April or May, and this is just a few weeks before the wheat harvest. And as we begin this morning, I want you to think and see the book of Ruth like a play with four scenes. So last Sunday was the first play, first first scene in the play, and this week has just been one week-long intermission, and we're going to be picking back up today in chapter two or scene two. So let's pray and then we're going to jump right in. 
Father in heaven, you are so good to us. You are so good to us. And Father, while this world is rocked with all of this, God, we are so thankful that we have you as an anchor that holds us fast. God, I pray for this message this morning that it will honor you. May I deliver it with clarity. Call my heart, Father. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Have you ever felt like you just don't belong somewhere? I mean, you just don't, it's just this overwhelming feeling of like, man, I just, I just don't belong here. And I struggle with this emotion often, just not feeling like I fit in or that I'm just a part of something. It's a terrible feeling to have. And, um, you know, it happens to me often when I'm talking to sports fanatics, um, like <laughs> Aaron and Miller, they can rattle off so many things and I just can't. Um, I love sports, I love them, but I just don't keep up with them enough to be able to speak intelligently about all the players, the coaches, and even the scores. And I know that for some of you, even on live television, I am um, giving up my man card in front of all of you great people. Um, but I always feel so awkward when men are able to, and women are able to rattle off a million stats, and I might know the color of their uniform. <laughs> but I do feel accomplished, like when I'm able to introduce something or say something, they're like, where did that come from? He, he's right. Now, my point in saying all of this to you is the feeling that you don't belong is just a horrible thing. And sometimes we find ourselves in awkward conversations and situations that are just foreign to us, and it feels awkward. By my count, in the book of Ruth, uh, it is mentioned nine times that Ruth was a Moabite. Nine times. We can't miss this, because this is only a four-chapter book, right? So we can't miss this. Ruth did not belong here. She was a Moabite. And chapter 1 records that the whole town was stirred when they arrived in Bethlehem. And I believe that this is partly because Ruth was a Moabite. A Moabite had shown up in their town. And they knew Naomi, but they didn't know Ruth, not this Moabite. Who is this foreign woman? Well, chapter 2 allows us to see the personality of Ruth. But it also introduces us to another character, Boaz. The narrator of this story tells us in the very first verse, verse 1, Now Naomi had a relative of her husband's, a worthy man of the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. Now notice right here that this is the narrator of the story speaking. So this isn't Naomi and Ruth having a conversation about Boaz. Bo this, the narrator is just telling us, the reader, hey, be aware there is a person named Boaz. And so this entire chapter, chapter 2, I believe takes place in one day. And as I, it actually does take place in one day. And as I read the chapter, I actually believe that this happened the first day that they were back in town in Bethlehem. Now, this is a really busy day, and I want to give you kind of the breakdown of this chapter, right? I want to give you the breakdown of this chapter. I want to bear with me because uh, the way I break this down somewhere, a professor of, uh, of preaching is crying. Um, but Ruth's gleaning... Ruth's gleaning, it is 2, verse 2 through 7, 2 through 7, 
Boaz is intervening, Boaz is intervening to 8 through 18, and Naomi's screening, Naomi's screening, 19 through 20, uh, 23. So that's gleaning, intervening, and screening. So let's look at Naomi's gleaning. Ruth wasted no time. She woke up on the first morning that she was there in Bethlehem, and she, she asked Naomi, hey, can I go glean in the fields? She didn't let the weariness of her journey stop her. They came there for food, and she jumped at the opportunity to go provide for, for herself and Naomi. In verses 2 through 3, it says, And Ruth, the Moabite, said to Naomi, Let me go out to the field and glean among the ears of grain after him whose sight I shall find favor. And she said to her, Go, my daughter. So she set out and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. Now, I'm a visual guy, so I hope this video clip can help you understand what exactly is gleaning. What what is the Bible talking about when it says she went out and gleaning, was gleaning? Harvesting in the fields of Bethlehem began with the reapers. It demanded a strong back and a keen hand. From dawn to dusk, both men and women worked together under the watchful eye of their master. The custom was for the poor to follow the paid workers, gathering the few uncollected stalks of grain which remained scattered about the field. And Ruth gleaned in the field of Boaz. So you can see here that gleaning wasn't easy. It was hard work. Gleaning was hot, it was backbreaking, dry. Gleaning was the practice that was put in place by God Himself. And we see this in Leviticus 19, 9 through 10. It says, When you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not reap your field right up to its edge. Neither shall you gather the gleanings after your harvest. You shall not strip your vineyard bare. Neither shall you gather the fallen grapes of your vineyard. You shall leave them for the poor and for the sojourner. I am the Lord your God. So God in his wisdom knew that there would be people who are poor and needy. And this was very much like the food bank of the time. God did not establish a system of handouts, but work. Honest work. Guys, this immediately tells us so much about Ruth. It tells us that Ruth was a hard worker. It tells us that she was not looking for a handout or a free meal. She was not expecting to show up and just have everything handed to her on a silver platter. She took the initiative. She was polite, and she asked Naomi's permission to go glean. And later on, we're going to see that she asked the reapers that were in the field if she could glean from the field, which she didn't have to do, by the way. She didn't let the fear of being in a foreign land or the fear of not being welcomed stop her from gathering the provisions that the Lord had for her. Ladies, these are the qualities that God loves in a woman. Ladies, these we're to, we're to think and act and have the faith of Ruth. And in fact, there is a really neat little known fact about the book of Ruth. 
In the Bible that you hold, in the Bible that I hold, it has Ruth tucked after Judges and just before First and Second Samuel. But if you go to the Hebrew Bible, the Hebrew Bible has a little bit different book order. And Ruth shows up lumped in what is called the Hebrew Ketavim, or the writings. And the Hebrew, in the Hebrew Ketavim, Ruth follows the book of Proverbs. Now, I don't think that we need to make a big deal out of book order, and Ruth is just fine being placed after Judges. It's right, and, 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 and it should be there. But I think that it can be helpful for us to know that there are many, many people that see Ruth as, the, as representing the virtuous woman of Proverbs 31, that she is the embodiment of the Proverbs 31 woman. Look at Proverbs 31.15. It says, She rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household and portions for her maidens. Proverbs 31.27. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. This sounds like Ruth, doesn't it? Ruth's gleaning and hard work was way more than just that she wanted some food. She had faith in Yahweh. Well, let's look at what God did. Ruth 2.3. And she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the clan of Elimelech. Y'all, come on. I mean, did Ruth just happen to show up in this field? I mean, did Ruth just happen to show up in the, in the field of Boaz? Of course not. You can see this already. And I want you to think for a second about all the major life events in your life. A move, a marriage, a child, a job. Did those things just happen in your life? No. And isn't it amazing that the things that you and I put very little thought into become life-changing, life-altering events and decisions? Now, I recently heard of a friend of mine that randomly stopped into a Qdoba to have lunch. And it was at a time that was not with the lunch crowd. And there was this guy that randomly was in front of him, and he randomly stuck out his hand, and they randomly started a, a, a conversation. And it just so happens that my friend and this man struck up a business deal, and he knows that it was of the Lord, that the Lord put that together. Do things just happen in our lives? You and I do a million things without ever really giving much thought to them. But God is not like us. God doesn't think this way. And you know, I think about all the millions of things that took place for me to get here in Jasper, Georgia with my wife and my kids. There's a million different things that got me right here. God has been in control. And if you think about all the millions of things that got you where you are today, the Lord has been in control as well for you. Who in here woke up, just think about marriage. Who in here woke up one day and says, you know what, today is the day I'm going to go find my spouse. Right? It doesn't happen that way. I mean, maybe, I don't see that providence works that way, but I mean, maybe it did for you. But my question is, do you trust him? Do you trust Him in the good and the bad? Will you place your trust in Him? And can you and I just take a second and praise Him for being in control of our lives? The story of Ruth is telling us that we should place our faith in this God. That we should do what He has told us to do. And we should trust in His sovereignty. 
Trinity, he is a good father and he will take care of you just like he took care of Ruth. And it just so happens that Boaz shows up on her first day of work and sees her. So it just so happens that she shows up and it just so happens that Boaz shows up. Boaz begins to ask his workers some questions and inquire about her and they say to him, well, she's a Moabite woman from Moab. Now, I want you to catch that. You, you can't miss that. They told, her, told him twice in one verse, hey, she's a Moabite. Hey, she's a Moabite. This is an important thing, okay? This is an important theme that you're going to see in the book of Ruth. And so they also say to him, hey, she came back with Naomi, and she asked to glean in the fields, again, which she didn't have to do to the reapers. And they said, and Boaz, she's been at work all day long. From morning until now, she only took a small break. Boaz, she's a hard worker. All of this information must have just struck a chord with Boaz because immediately he goes over there and he starts talking with her. So this is where we get into Boaz's intervening. Boaz's intervening. Verse 8 through 18, we're going to see that Boaz is going to interact with Ruth. He steps into her world. And while there is a tremendous love story brewing here, don't think that Boaz at this point is trying to make the moves on Ruth. Not yet. And let me show you how we know that. Look at how he addresses her in verse, verse 8. He says, Then Boaz said to Ruth, Now listen, my daughter. Now listen, my daughter. Now, I know that this was a long time ago and this was a different culture, but if this was a pickup line, this is the worst pickup line ever. <laughs> Boaz isn't interested in that kind of a relationship right now, right? He calls her his daughter. This was an extremely tender and kind gesture. Now, you need to remember that the whole book, uh, our whole, yes, the whole book of, of Ruth, it took place in the time of the judges, where everyone did what was right in their own eyes, right? And so Ruth didn't know the intentions of Boaz as he walked up to her. And during this time in Israel's history, many women were taken advantage of. There were evil men all around. And so she didn't know what to expect as he walked up on her, a foreign woman. But Boaz put her at ease and called her his daughter. Let's look at the rest of the verses. Then Boaz said to Ruth, Now listen, my daughter, do not go glean in another field or leave this one, but keep close to my young women. Let your eyes be on the field that they are reaping and go after them. Have I not charged the young men not to touch you? And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink what the young men have drawn. Now, look at how this man wants to care for her. Let's, let's look at that. He says, Ruth, my daughter, please don't go glean in any other field. Don't leave this one. Ruth, watch my other girls and stay near their side. They will show you our ways and I want you to be, care be comfortable around them. All the men that are around here, look around, all these men that are here, they know me. And I have charged them not to even come close to you. They will not touch you. You have no need to fear. You have my word on this. And I think there's put a little southern on this. And he says, and honey, when you're thirsty, you just go right over there and get yourself something to drink. Right? He says, I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to take care of you. Don't worry. The kindness of Boaz here is amazing. 
And the Bible gives us no indication that he was looking to get anything out of this generosity. No, Boaz's faith in God compelled him to take care of Ruth. And later on in this section, we see that Boaz doesn't just stop here. Boaz doesn't just have a conversation with Ruth and then go on about her business. He remembers the new girl that was there around mealtime. So later on we read, starting in verse 14, it says, Come here and eat some bread and dip your morsel in the wine. So she sat beside the reapers and he passed her roasted grain. And she ate until she was satisfied and she had some left over. When she rose to glean, Boaz instructed his young men, saying, Let her glean even among the sheaves, and do not reproach her. And also pull out from some of the bundles for her, and leave it for her to glean, and do not rebuke her. This tells us that Boaz is not interested in just giving her a little helping. He made sure that she had all that she would ever need. No, She was satisfied and she had leftovers. She took home a doggy bag. And church, isn't it amazing that our God's kindness to us is not given to us in just little bite-sized portions? No, our God gives us all that we will ever need. He doesn't just give us enough to get by. In Christ and in God, we eat and we are filled. We are satisfied. Like Ruth, we eat, are filled, and get satisfied, and there is still so much more left over. God gives us a doggy bag of His provision that will never, ever run out. And as I was reading this passage, my thoughts turned to Psalms 34, 17, and 18. It says, When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all of their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Guys, is this not exactly what Boaz is doing right here for Ruth? He saw this girl and that she had just arrived from another country. He knew of her long journey and it being her first day in town. He knew of Naomi. He knew that they didn't have anything. He knew that Naomi was a widow. He learned that Ruth too was a widow. And I think it is fair to say that Ruth fits the description of someone who is brokenhearted and crushed in spirit. What you're seeing right here in these passages is Boaz intervening into her life restoring her life. And church, listen to this question closely. Where would you be today if God had not intervened in your life? Where would you be today if God had not stepped in to your life? What would your life look like And some of you have walked with the Lord for a very long time. And just thinking about that question, it's terrifying. Just thinking about what your life would look like if God had not stepped into your world. What that would look like and where you would be today. But Trinity, if you are saved here today, you have experienced the intervention of God. And we can see that in Romans 5, 8. It says, but God shows his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We have experienced the intervention of God. And Boaz and in his kind intervention in Ruth's life, it points us to Christ. And praise God that he cares 
for us enough to intervene, to step into our world. So back to the story. In verse 17 and 18, we read, it was getting dark and it was time for her to go home. So she threshed what she had gleaned and it came out to about an ephah of barley. Now, an ephah of barley, this is kind of important to understand because that's heavy. It's about 50 pounds worth of, uh, of um, barley for the day. This tells us that she was crazy strong. This tells us that she was an extremely strong or uh, hard worker. And she gathered all of this from the scraps that were left over from the reapers in one day. And it's estimated that this one day's haul would last her and Naomi about two weeks worth of food. That's, that's a lot. So she walked uphill back to the city with this 50-pound bag of barley. And she gave it to Naomi along with her leftover roasted barley from dinner time. And you can almost see the next part of this chapter, Naomi's screening. You can almost see this take place on like a TV show or a sitcom. Ruth barely gets in the door and Naomi starts asking her about her day. This is Naomi's screening. And Naomi is trying to find out more about this man that Ruth had met. Now, look at the very first line of questions that Naomi asks Ruth. Now, I want you to remember that Ruth came back with far more than what would normally be expected for a day's work. And she even brought back this doggy bag of roasted barley for Naomi to eat, right? Naomi is looking at all this haul from the day, and she says, where did you glean today? And where have you worked? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. Now, thinking back into the morning when Ruth first left, there was this, in your version of the Bible actually may say that she may find favor in the Lord for the, when she was leaving in the morning. This right here tells us that Naomi saw this hall and she says, it's happened. He, she did find favor in a man's sight. I mean... She was hoping to find favor in a man earlier that day. And when she gets home, Naomi says to her, uh, Ruth, you did it. You definitely found favor in a man's sight. I mean, you look at all this stuff. Blessed be the man. Who is he? Well, you may not know him. His name is Boaz. And you can see the light just shine from her face in the corner of the room as Naomi says, May he be blessed by the Lord. This man is a, is a close relative of ours. One of our redeemers. One of our redeemers. Naomi was just fine with Boaz. And Boaz click, quickly passed Naomi's screening process. Naomi knew that Boaz wasn't just a nice man. And he wasn't just a worthy man. Boaz hadn't just taken notice of Ruth. But Boaz was a potential Redeemer. What's a redeemer? What in the world is Naomi talking about here? Redeeming and redemption and restoration is the key theme of the book of Ruth. And 23 times in four chapters, we see this word or these words come up. So redeeming, restoration, redemption, these are important things. And the full implication of what Naomi is talking about right here will play itself out in chapter 3 and 4. We'll see that in the weeks to come. But for now, you need to know that Naomi is referring to the Jewish law of redemption or Leverite marriage. Jewish laws had ways of taking care of the poor and needy and widows. 
And Ruth was in a position where she needed help. Her husband had died. Her and Naomi had no food. She had no land of her own. And Naomi was telling Ruth that Boaz was a potential kinsman redeemer. Now, in short, the job of a kinsman redeemer here is twofold. Twofold, two things. Protection and provision. Protection and provision. That's the main thing that a kinsman redeemer does. Protection and provision. Now, Boaz started doing this on the very first day that he met her. He started doing this protection and provision thing on the very first day that he met Ruth. So here we see the end of the day and Naomi is excited over the possibility of already finding a kinsman redeemer. This chapter ends with the narrator telling us that Ruth stayed in the field with Boaz's young women until the end of the wheat and barley harvest. This gives us an estimate of about two months that passes between chapter, th- chapter 2 and chapter 3. About two months. And this story is amazing, right? I mean, it's building, it's growing. You can almost see the characters in your eyes. They have faces to us. The motherly nature of Naomi, the gentle spirit of Ruth, the kind-heartedness of Boaz. All this is astounding. And you know, when I started this message today, I was talking about how it feels to not belong somewhere. And what makes this story so amazing to me is that Ruth did not belong here. She didn't deserve this kindness. And she probably didn't expect it either. And well, Actually, we know that she didn't expect it. I mean, look at this. Let me show you. Earlier, when we were going over Boaz's intervening, I skipped over a few very key verses. Then I want to bring them back to you as we close today. At the climax of this chapter, when Boaz is just lavishing her with kindness, Ruth responds to him. And listen to what she says. And this is, this is one of the key verses in understanding the book of Ruth. Ruth 2.10, she says, Then she fell on her face, bowing to the ground, and said to him, Why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me? Since I am a foreigner. I am a foreigner. The author from the very beginning will not let you and me forget that she was a Moabite woman. She did not belong here, and she knew it too. But she wasn't just any foreigner. She was a Moabite. And do any of you remember back to the background of where the Moabites came from and kind of their story? This is important to kind of grasp the full weight of what's happening here. And in Genesis 19, we read the story of Lot in Sodom and Gomorrah. And God graciously saved Lot from the wrath that he poured out there. And just after this, the destruction that he poured out, his wrath that he poured out, we see Lot in a cave living with his two daughters. And at some point, his daughters came up with a horrible idea, an awful plan. And Lot's daughters were afraid that no man was going to ever come for them. And they were afraid that they would die and there would be no offspring to preserve their father's line. And so they planned on getting their father drunk and laying with him. Bad idea. Both the older and the younger daughter, they did this separately, and both became pregnant. The youngest daughter, she had a son and named him Ben-Ami. 
and this was the beginning of the Ammonites. The oldest daughter, she too had a son, and she named him, you guess it, Moab. While the whole line of Moabites came from an incestuous relationship between Lot and his oldest daughter, Ruth was not just a foreigner. Later on in Numbers 25, we read that while Israel was on its way to Canaan, Israelite men were starting to have relationships with Moabite women. And this ended up bad. It, it ended up drawing Israel into Baal worship for a time. And here the Bible tells us that Moabite women were the cause of Israelite men to drift away from the worship of Yahweh. And now we've got Boaz, a worthy man, talking to a Moabite woman. Moabite women had been the cause of Israel to embrace Baal worship and reject Yahweh. Ruth was not just a foreigner. Deuteronomy 23, 3-4, and this is important, we read, No Ammonite or Moabite may enter the assembly of the Lord, even to the tenth generation. None of them may enter the assembly of the Lord forever, because they hired against you Balaam, the son of Baor from Pethor of Mesopotamia, to curse you. Now, if you remember this story from Numbers 22, the king of Moab, Balak, was afraid because Israel was encamped around them. And Balak hires a man named Balaam that was supposed to have some sorcery power, and he was going to curse Israel so that Moab could go in and get rid of the Israelites. Well, it didn't work. And because of this, no Moabite may enter the assembly of the Lord forever. Ruth was not just a foreigner. She was a Moabite. And Ruth did not belong in the graces of Boaz. She said, Why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me since I am a foreigner? Why should you take notice of me? Now, this was the story of Ruth. But what about your story? The story from when you were born, when you were a child, when you were a teenager, when you are an adult, all the way up till today. Has the Lord intervened in your life? Has he stepped in to your story? Has there been a moment that you've said with Ruth, why, Lord, why have you taken notice of me? Why have you been so kind to me? A sinner, a wretched sinner. Not only just a sinner, a Moabite. I don't belong in your graces and I don't deserve your mercy. And remember the kinsman redeemer thing, the protection and provision. I don't deserve that either. I'm a foreigner to your holiness. I am unclean, and I'm from a long line of unclean and unholy people. I don't deserve you. Have you said with Ruth, why have you been so kind to me? Ruth the Moabite was forever banned from entering the assembly of the Lord. But then came Boaz, a redeemer. And you know now where her name belongs? If you jump forward to Matthew 1.5, you know where you find her name? In the genealogy of Jesus. Because of a Redeemer, she belongs. Because of this Redeemer, she belongs. And church, listen, there is a greater, there is a greater Boaz who has come for us. 
There is a greater Redeemer who has come for us. And His name is Jesus Christ. And He calls to you and to me and everyone watching today. He calls to us today to place our faith and our trust in Him. It is only through Him that we belong. And it is only through Him that we have any hope of salvation. And if you're here today and and you recognize Ruth's question, and you're saved, why would you take notice of me? Why would you take notice of me? You remember Ephesians 1.3, that in Christ you have been blessed with every spiritual blessing. In Christ you have been blessed with every spiritual blessing. And you don't deserve this. You and I don't deserve this. You and I have done done nothing to deserve His kindness. But it's only because of Him. It is only because of this Redeemer. Jesus is the great Redeemer. And He is the only reason that you and I belong. And if you're here today, you're watching from home, and you don't know the joy of this great Redeemer, I invite you to give him your all. Give him your everything. Surrender your life to him. Lay it all down. He is gentle and merciful. He will love you. You will experience his kindness. And he invites you today to have true rest for your souls. True everlasting rest for your souls. This Redeemer came so that you and I can experience the kindness and mercy of a good God. And I want you to listen to what John 1.12 says because it's beautiful. John 1.12 says this, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. And though we did did not belong, though we did not belong, He gives us the right to become the children of God. Dear friend, it is true that your sin has separated you from your God. And because of our sin, we do not deserve the kindness of God. But because of Christ, our great Redeemer and Restorer, we can belong among the children of God. And no matter how much you have sinned in your life, no matter where you are from, come from, no matter how many times you have turned your back on this God his mercy is greater than your sin please run to Christ today whether you're saved or you're you're not run to Christ he is our only hope let's pray If there's anyone here that is dealing with their salvation or their heart is telling them something and you'd like to talk, Jeff and Jason and Charles and the elders, myself, we'll stay here and we'll pray for you if you would like. But I beg of you, if the Lord is dealing with your heart today, if the Lord is dealing with that, Don't ignore it. Oh Lord, 
who am I that you have taken notice of me? Who am I, Father, that you have been so kind to me? Father, we are a people now. The Bible says we weren't a people before, but now you have made us a people. And so, Father, we come together as your church, and we thank you for the salvation that you have offered to us. God, it is truly amazing. We read of the story of Ruth, and it points to your son, the greater Boaz. Lord, this morning, we want to thank you. Thank you for your kindness. Even though we don't deserve it, thank you for your kindness. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.